Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. You got to score points to win. You can't win without scoring points. Touchdown Raiders! He went right through the line and gives Vegas a touchdown to extend the lead. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. As we kick off hour number three of the show, I go to the don'tbebroke.com text line and check out this text from Geese Mode. He said, here's my offer, Q. Seven years, $300 million guaranteed, plus two first-round picks. For my money, Lamar Jackson is a more dynamic weapon than Mahomes. He's got way more in the tank than Russell Wilson, and he's won a playoff game, unlike Herbert. Like Joe Burrow said, as long as you have me on the roster, that Super Bowl window is open. Lamar Jackson is that guy. He's him and instantly has us in the elite category year in and year out. Get it done, Raiders. That's from Geesmo. Thank you for that text. We do appreciate you. Joining us now on the phone lines from the 33rdteam.com is our guy Ari Mayrov. You can find him on Twitter at MySportsUpdate. And Ari, thanks so much for your time. And as you can imagine, we've been talking a lot about Lamar Jackson, the biggest news of the day, hit with the non-exclusive tag. He can negotiate and talk with any other team in the league, and Baltimore has an opportunity to match that contract. Do you anticipate Lamar being anything but the Baltimore Raven in 2023? Well, it's a great question because, you know, whenever you do the non-exclusive tag, you're basically risking it here. Like, you're allowing him to go to the open market, essentially, and negotiate a deal, and then he could bring back an offer sheet. And the reality is, a team, if they do give an offer sheet to Lamar, they're going to be the ones structuring the contract. So they could look through Baltimore's cap situation or whatever, and try to set up the contract in a way where Baltimore might not be able to match. It'll make life harder on them. So it is a big risk for Baltimore. But then again, you have to figure out, first of all, what is Lamar's asking asking price, of course. And then secondly, negotiating such a big deal to this magnitude, which could be one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the NFL, maybe even the highest paid quarterback in the NFL, Doing it alone, which Lamar is doing without an agent and with some advisors and his mother, it is difficult and it does make things more challenging. Now, I'm not saying if it's the right thing or the wrong thing to do, but whenever you do something of this magnitude, you want to have somebody who's been there, who's done that, where the teams have negotiated with him before. All these teams are going to be negotiating with Lamar. They've never talked to him before about this stuff. So we'll see where it goes. I have found it odd that so many teams have already bowed out mm-hmm. from either considering to talk to him. Again, talking to him doesn't cost anything. So why, you know, immediately say no? So we'll see where this goes. We'll see who he talks to. And we'll see if he gets an offer sheet, which he likes, which he'll accept. And then Baltimore, of course, will have some time to match it. And we'll see where that goes. But this is by far, by far, in my opinion, the most fascinating franchise tag player we've had in a very, very long time. I agree 100%. And I was about to ask you about all the teams that have already dipped out or apparently reports are that they've dipped out and there's at least five teams including the Raiders do you think that that's more smokescreen or do you think that there's some legit to yeah all these teams are already saying no we don't want to we don't want to talk to them I don't see the reason why they would do that now obviously these reporters who put it out clearly have great connections to the team clearly the team has told them that this is the case we'll see if it actually stays the way it is once the process officially begins but I just don't understand why they would do that. I mean, I just look back to last year when Deshaun Watson, of course, was on the Texans, but essentially was a free agent because um, all these teams were able to go after him. He had four teams interested in him, willing to give up the draft pick competition to Houston. And then the contract element, 
obviously Cleveland did it. Atlanta was willing to go, maybe not as far, but very close to it. And Carolina New Orleans had interest as well. And when you consider the situation he was in with all the baggage that was coming along with it, this is a player who didn't play in two years. The compensation was more. It was three first-round picks in that case. In this case, it would be two first-round picks. The idea to not even talk to Lamar Jackson is very odd. I know a lot of people, and especially the NFLPA, speaking a very, very close eye on this. I've seen the C word thrown around a lot. And um, I'm very curious to know really what happens here because if more teams, if we get to a point next week where maybe one team or two teams only talk to Lamar and it goes nowhere, I think a lot of eyebrows are going to be, are going to be raised around the NFL. I've already heard from plenty of agents who have been telling me this is very odd, very weird. Very weird. Um, all teams are looking for a quarterback, a franchise quarterback. This guy's 26 years old. I mean, we all know the stats and the accolades that Lamar Jackson has. So for no teams to even talk to him will be very odd. So we'll keep a very close eye on it. But the way it's transpired so far, a lot of people are shocked, surprised, and they really want to see how this all unfolds because it just it shouldn't be like that. No, you're right. And that C word that Ari is talking about is con- con- collusion. <laughs> collusion. It's hard to say, but it's it's uh, obviously understandable uh, when it comes to the money that Lamar Jackson is looking at. And you, it, you can see how everyone could put that uh, two and two together. Ari Mayrov is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Go ahead, Damon. What that C word that you're talking about, collusion, and no team wants to match or give up that guaranteed contract that Deshaun Watson has, do you think there are any quarterbacks out there, let's say maybe Patrick Mahomes, who do you think out there, if they hit the open market, could warrant a guaranteed contract? Well, let me just start off with this. I know the people out there believe Lamar Jackson wants a fully guaranteed contract, and he probably does because that's been the report for, for two years. But who really knows? Because Baltimore has been keeping this very quiet. Lamar doesn't have any agents. No one knows you talk for him. So at least talk to him and just see what he really wants. Is he willing to go down a little? Because eventually he's going to have to sign an offer sheet somewhere. So if he's not getting a fully guaranteed deal from anyone, then he'll have to sign something, right? So at least have that conversation with him. As for which quarterbacks, in my opinion, if they were free, could probably get a fully guaranteed contract. Um, I would definitely put Patrick Mahomes up there on top if he was a free agent. All these other quarterbacks out there, like a Joe Burrow, like a Justin Herbert, um, like a Jalen Hurts, who are up for extension this offseason, the reason it might be difficult for them to get a fully guaranteed contract is because they still have three more years, or at least in Burrow and Herbert's case, there's still three more years of control there for the team. When you include the final year of the rookie contract, plus potential franchise tags, so the team is going to be like, if you're asking for a fully guaranteed contract, we're just going to let you play it out for now and see where this goes. So, obviously, the, the player wants to get that generational wealth. He wants to get that security right away. So, it's unlikely to happen. But when a player reaches the open market, which is what you said as an example, I would definitely put Mahomes there. I would probably put um, Joe Burrow there. Um, I would probably put Jalen Hurts there, possibly, if he was a free agent after seeing what he did this past year. Every team is looking for a franchise quarterback who can lead their team. So if you, if you have one, then life is much easier as a coach, as a general manager, as an organization. If you don't have one, you know it's very, very difficult. So that's the way I would put it. Sticking with the franchise tag, we saw that up in New York, that the Giants, they decided to give Daniel Jones a new contract but placed the franchise tag on Saquon Barkley. Where do you think that that deal goes from him? Because ultimately we saw three running backs get hit with the franchise tag. Yeah, the Saquon Barkley is interesting because he basically, you know, took a back seat throughout the Daniel Jones negotiations, knowing that 
if no deal is reached, then I have an open path to free agency because Daniel will get the tag. And if the deal is reached, then I get tagged. And from my understanding, he did not want to end up getting tagged. Nothing to do with Daniel Jones, but he really wanted to um, get to the open market and see his true value because the Giants and Saquon started negotiating back in November during the Giants' bye week, and they were very, very far apart from what Saquon wanted versus what the Giants were offering. And the two sides, after the season ended, once again started speaking. They were still far apart. They spoke again at the Combine for a little bit. They still weren't close. It sounds like Saquon is looking to get closer to the Christian McCaffrey echelon. The Giants were closer to that 12, 12 and a half mark, so they were really far apart. I'm fascinated to see what happens here because, you know, obviously the tag is $10 million. Um, Saquon played out all five years of his rookie deal. Obviously, we know the running back position, the shelf life on a running back who basically is always running into a brick wall. It's not that, it's not that long. So you want to get paid that second contract as soon as possible. He's already played five years. So the fact that they were so far apart up until this point makes me really curious to know what happens here. Will, the, will, will Saquon decide to play a little bit of a hardball there and say, you know what, we are so far apart, we know it clears close to getting a deal, will you guys consider trading me? And we'll see if there's any teams that will be willing to trade compensation, plus give him a contract that he would like. So I'm very curious to see what happens here because, again, he really did not want to go through a franchise tag, and ultimately that's what happened here. So I would definitely be keeping a close eye on what happens here. The Giants obviously wanted to value him, but teams obviously have a different perspective on how much running backs are worth, especially with the super deep grading class and the super deep running back class this year. You recently spoke with Trey Wingo. Trey Wingo has been doing a lot of reporting on the Jets, having those talks with Aaron Rodgers. How close to a done deal do you think that actually is? It's interesting. Um, Trey definitely has very good sourcing when it comes to whether it's Aaron or the Packers or the Jets or whatever, but he's been on top of this stuff in the past, and he's once again on top of it this time around this year. I don't know how close they are. Obviously, Aaron's inner circle is very, very tight. The fact that the Packers are allowing the Jets to talk to him is definitely a sign that we've basically known for a while, but they're ready to move on and go to Jordan Love. I think what this is all about is really Aaron gets to know the Jets, the Jets get to know Aaron, and it's basically like they're dating. Do we fit? Is it worth going this way? How many picks should we trade? How much money is he going to get paid? Because that contract has likely has to be restructured. I think they have to get to know each other first. But going into this offseason, everyone believed the Jets' option number one was Aaron. Their option number two was their car, who just signed in New Orleans. And worst case scenario, their option three would probably be Jimmy Garoppolo. So here we are. They're talking to Aaron. They're having conversations. The owner is there. The GM is there. The head coach is there. They're, his former offensive coordinator, Sandy Hackett, is there. They're going to try to sell him. They want to make sure it fits. They probably want to figure out how long he still wants to play football, how committed is he, because in reality he's considered retirement. He's probably considering retirement still right now. Is it just a one-year thing? Will it be a two-year thing? They want to figure out exactly the person, the fit, and, of course, just how long will it be here and then how much should we give up to get it. So I think that might take some time. The Packers will love for this to go faster because, of course, Green Street starts next week, and there's basically $60 million in cash right now that is currently on the books for Aaron that could potentially switch hands, which would change the offseason completely for Green Bay. So... I think Green Bay hopes that this happens faster, but Aaron controls everything. He has a no-trade clause. He has the contract. 
Um, he really controls everything anytime his time table. So whatever Aaron decides is basically how this is going to go. We're a week away from free agency. The tampering period starts on Monday. Are there is there anything that you're hearing, maybe some big moves that we should be on the lookout for for the start of free agency? Yeah, so the free agent market this year compared to previous years really isn't that deep at most positions. Like, you look at wide receiver, it really isn't that deep. Jacoby Myers is probably the top receiver. He should probably do well. But you look around, it really there isn't that many top-heavy names out there. So I would definitely be keeping a very close eye on the trade market this offseason. Um, I'm sure we've all heard about DeAndre Hopkins. He likely gets felt. Houston and Brandon Cooks have had discussion about figuring it out. He has $18 million fully guaranteed next year. Um, trading him with that contract is difficult, but he wants a fresh start, so he's willing to make it work in order to get out of there. Obviously, there's Rodgers. Um, I would not be surprised if there's maybe a, another trade, maybe even a quarterback trade at some point. There's going to be trades going on here. We've seen these GMs get really, really aggressive, these younger GMs especially. They are willing to wheel and deal. We obviously also what happened last year with Devontae Adams and Tyree Kill and on and on. So there are going to be plenty of trades. Um, the Orlando Brown market is going to be very interesting. Obviously, Kansas City now franchise tagging him. It's very rare that we have a franchise left tackle or a really good left tackle making it to the open market. So there definitely will be action, but... Keep a very close eye on the trade market. I think it get really, really interesting in the coming days and weeks. I did want to ask you real quick with all the all the moving and shaking with all the quarterbacks. We know Derek Carr's in. Uh, we we know he's in New Orleans. We know Geno signed again with Seattle, so he's good there. Daniel Jones re-signed with the Giants. It just looks like the free agent quarterback market is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. How much do you think that that has raised the price tag for one Jimmy G? I think so. I was at the combine last week. And I spoke to plenty of people about Jimmy G. I think Jimmy G will do well at inferency, and I'll explain to you why. Jimmy G is in the benefic- beneficiary of the San Francisco tree. And what I mean by that, if you look around the NFL right now, the amount of coaches and GMs who came from San Francisco or elsewhere right now, it's pretty flooded. I mean, obviously, starting Robert Sala with the Jets, if they don't get Rodgers, they would have interest. You look at Rand Carthon, the Titans GM. You look at Benico Ryan, the Texans head coach. You even could go to the New England days, to Josh McDaniels with the Raiders. He has connections with three, four teams around the NFL who know who he is. And, you know, connections go a long way in the NFL. So all those teams could use quarterbacks, right? And I think um, if it gets to a point where those teams are looking at Jimmy G, I think there's potential where there's going to be a bidding war for Jimmy G. I think he'll do pretty well. I would not be surprised at all if he gets a contract similar um, somewhere in between Gino and Derek Carr, somewhere in that range, would not surprise me at all. I, I think Jimmy G will do really well. People on the NFL think he'll do really well on the open market. And, you know, you know what he is. He can get you somewhere. Um, he's done it before. If you have a good team around him, he's a viable quarterback option. So um, he's a beneficiary of what I just said, and, and um, I think he should do really well on the open market. Well, I'll tell you what, talking about doing uh, really good things and having a really good team around them, the 33rdteam.com, man, you guys have been doing fantastic work, been really following the 33rdteam.com ever since the uh, whole thing came to be and uh, the roster of folks that you have and uh, all the different write-ups and everything. Uh, it's, it's something I check out every single day, so a uh, great job there. What do you have coming out that we should be on the lookout for? Yeah, so um, you guys mentioned already, you know, I do these um, – it's almost daily now, these videos with the great trailing go, just going around the NFL. It's all up on the website. It's some interesting perspectives there. Um, a lot of great articles coming up on the website. Obviously, we have former players, current players, former executives, former coaches giving their perspective on everything happening around the NFL. 
And then for me personally, I'll have a, an article up later this week of the players for agents who might get more money than you would expect here next week. Mm. And I'll also have a, an article up about some potential trade names out there. We, of course, just talked about that. I'll put together a nice little list of some players to keep an eye on here in the coming weeks. I like it. I like it. Well, great stuff and great work. Like I mentioned, 33rdteam.com. You guys do a fantastic job. Ari Mayrov is our guest. Ari, thanks so much. We do appreciate you. Thanks so much, guys. All the best. Absolutely. There he goes. Ari Mayrov does a great job at uh, at My Sports Update on Twitter. And again, if you have not checked out the website, definitely check out 33rdteam.com. Uh, it is my go-to. They had a great article the other day that Bill Parcells wrote. Uh, they have plenty of different players, former players, coaches, GMs, everyone. It's really uh, some good work. And they are so tired of me emailing them and saying, hey, can I get this guest on? Yeah, that's how we got Mike Martz on, was an email to the 33rdteam.com. I asked about Bill Parcells the other day. Look, I, again, you're guaranteed to miss a shot you don't take. So I emailed him. I said, look, I know it's a long shot, but I'd like to get Bill Parcells on. They said, Q, that's not going to happen. I said, all right. At least I asked. Can't, can't, uh, you know, can't rule it out until you, they tell you no. So uh, I definitely encourage you to check out that website. Before we take a quick break, this note from Diana Rossini from ESPN. She does a fantastic job. Team source, the Las Vegas Raiders haven't eliminated any quarterback options, including Lamar Jackson. 419 is the time. This is Radio Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. If I had to put together a list of my top three quarterbacks starting the season off, whatever game they start with, with the Raiders starting either on a Monday, Thursday night, Sunday, whatever the case may be, if I had to put together a list of the three guys in order, one, two, and three, that I'd want to see under center to start the season off, Lamar Jackson would be number one. C.J. Stroud would be number two, and Jared Stidham would be number three, in that order. It's that easy for me, but that's just me. Obviously, that's coming off the heels of the news that Lamar Jackson got hit with the non-exclusive franchise tag, allowing every team in the league, including the Raiders, including the Panthers, including Washington, including any team that needs a quarterback, Atlanta, and there's a lot of them, the, the Colts, the Texans, Every team that we're talking about trading up that could potentially go get a quarterback. Hell, Seattle can make a move. I know they just traded or they just signed Geno Smith, but hell, they can say, you know what? Let's go ahead and trade this guy. I mean, they can do whatever they want to do at this point, right? Lamar Jackson is just a different dude. Not saying it's going to happen, just saying he's a different dude. So I threw the question out there. Since it's a non exclusive tag, you got to give up two ones, which I think is very reasonable. Would you send two ones to Baltimore for Lamar Jackson? Plus, give him a contract. Obviously, the contract extension is the bigger hang-up than the two ones. What would your offer sheet, what would your contract look like? Big E hit us up on Twitter. Man Q, the way Vinny was beating us over the head with Jimmy IR this morning, I switched to music. I would sign Lamar just to piss him off. (laughs) That's spite right there, brother. (laughs) That is what you call spite. (laughs) That is spite for real, but... I get it. And like I said, I'm driving into the job this morning. I'm hearing Jimmy G this, Jimmy G that. I'm hearing Heidi co-signing for Jimmy G like she was his publicist. And I'm hearing Vinny talking about, well, I know that the injuries are there, but, you know, and I'm thinking, but what? But what? Right? And I get it. There's injuries concerned when it comes to Lamar. Let's make no mistake about it. I'd be a fool if I didn't say that there was. Last couple seasons, he's been hurt. That is a big concern. I get it. That is a big concern. But that's a difference, dude. That's a difference maker. Jimmy G is an average quarterback at best, in my opinion, and was a beneficiary of playing on a really good team, which is not a, not a bad thing. That's a good thing for him. I, I don't fault him for that, but I also realize what he is. 
And I don't think he's a guy that all of a sudden walks into your building and makes you that much better. That's just me, though. Would love to hear from you. Gizmo hit us up on the don'tbebroke.com text line, 69187, keyword r and says Raiders haven't ruled out any quarterback options, including Lamar Jackson. Raider Nation says, so you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> Mailman Raider said, Q, one other reason I want Lamar, I can finally talk some S to the Chargers, Chiefs, Broncos, and all my Niner fans here in the Bay, and the team actually backed me up instead of getting laughed at at, uh, at a LOL. Q, uh, where's your boy who plays Xbox with the Raiders? Front office, we need a scoop. Uh, thanks, Mailman Raider. That was last. That was the last staff. That uh that played Xbox when uh with my guy uh Cyreezy from the Bay and he said that uh yeah hey Alex Leatherwood was gonna be the pick and he was right he said Baltimore was gonna play the Raiders on Monday Night Football at Legion Stadium and he was right so whoever he was playing those games with that guy had loose lips well loose lips are gone loose lips sink ships they're not uh, they're not working with those cats anymore so yeah don't have to don't have to worry about that anymore but it would be nice to get a scoop here or there. Uh, how about Big Dub Raider? Q, give me Lamar. Send the two ones, and I'll give him five years and a blank check. Go Raiders. That's from Big Dub Raider. Let's go out to 408. Let's go out to the San Jose. Talk to our guy Robert in San Jose. Welcome to the show. Uh, thanks for taking my call, Q. I had to uh, call Vinny this morning and correct him on Garoppolo. And as I told him, it's not that Garoppolo is a bad quarterback. It's just that Garoppolo is guaranteed to be injured. Uh, as you Pointing out, Lamar has been injured the last couple of years uh, in the pocket, I might add. But Garoppolo has been injured every year except for one year. In terms of Lamar Jackson, this is is real easy, real easy. For two number ones, the Davis family, for the first time, has the ability to write a check like this, where you can go $200 million over five years, $150 $150 million signing bonus and prorate that over the five years. Still use all those draft picks to improve the defense and the offensive line. This is a no-brainer. It, it, and and your, your ace in the hole is being in Nevada, no state tax. You get to keep a lot more of the money. Mm-hmm. This is easy. This is, this is the first time that Mark Davis has a chance to really say, you know, the rest of the owners don't like us anyway. Go ahead and sign this guy. If he wants $230 million plus $1, give him that. You can, you can write that check and prorate it. This is for, for two, for two first-round draft picks where you still have the ability to, to build the team around him. This is something that's got to get done, period. Got to get done. Thank you for the call. Definitely appreciate you, my man. And, you know, look, I, I don't know if it's, you know, that easy. Just, hey, going to go out here, write this check, and call it a day. But, I mean, again, you want to talk about there's so many different reasons that that would be an attractive fit for the Raiders, not to mention that the guy's a hell of a player. But it would do a really – it would be a lot for the fan base even here in Las Vegas. It'd be a lot for the fan base to know that this team is out there trying to go after it. Like, who hit us up earlier, DeMond, and said – well, the Jets are on a plane right now or on a, on a helicopter trying to go to Aaron Rodgers and, and bring him there. They are. I get that. That's what they're working on. You know, that, that tells you that they're rolling out the red carpet for Aaron Rodgers and most likely are going to land him. That could let it be known that, hey, this, this staff is trying to go all in and win. Again, like Vinny said earlier, if you're wondering if the Raiders will be involved in Lamar Jackson, the answer is very unlikely. And I had someone hit me up on Twitter say, oh, so Vinny lied after Diana Rossini said that they haven't ruled anyone out. No, he said it's very unlikely. He didn't say that they wouldn't. He just said it's unlikely. And I, I agree. <laughs> Let, let's make no mistake about it. I know we talked about it the whole show, but I think it's unlikely as well. 
but it doesn't hurt to, to talk about it, just like it wouldn't hurt to talk to him and see, kind of just, you know, kick the tires on, well, what would it take just for S's and giggles? Yeah, like Ari said when he was on, hey, it costs you nothing just to talk to him. Exactly. It, it costs nothing to just, like you said, kick the tires, mm-hmm. see what's out there, because the number that's in my head, Patrick Mahomes' contract, 10 years, $450 million. Right. Where, hey, Lamar, 10 years, $400 million, but $200 million guaranteed. Because if you think that he's going to be that guy where he's younger than Stetson Bennett, about the same age right. as Hendon Hooker, why not give him a 10-year deal? I know it's, a, hey, he could get injured. Well, anybody could get injured. Right. Every contract, every player that you give on a team, that guy could get injured. But if you think That's that the nature of the sport. Yes, exactly. So you can't be scared. Where If you, if you think that he's going to be the guy, the face of the franchise, if I'm the teams, I'm coming to the negotiating table, hey, Lamar might not be fully guaranteed, but we're offering you 10 years. Right. We're getting that Mahomes money. You're getting half a billion. I mean, again, look, the deal is you could give him any offer you want. The worst he could say is no. Exactly. That's the worst. That's what I've never, ever had a problem with is, like, you can ask anything you want. It's up to the person to say no or not. Got a text uh, on our WBroke.com text sign, 69187, keyword R&R. from the 925. But can MD put that money into escrow? Rumor is no. And, of course, that's the big conversation. Can you put the money into escrow? And I know that, and I don't, and I'll be 100% honest with everybody. I don't know all the fine details when it comes to that. I know Vinny has a better idea. I know Tashawn Reed's been kind of talking about that on Twitter as well. I'm sure Vic Tafer has been putting a little bit out there. I don't know the fine details of the whole escrow thing. Uh, I know that you're supposed to have a certain amount of money that you ha- you're able to guarantee it and put it into escrow and basically have it there. And I can't tell you, I can't tell you what MD can do and what he can't do. That's all I can tell, tell you. That's what I can say is I can't tell you what he can do and what he can't do. I know what rumors say. We've been hearing the rumors since Khalil Mack got traded, right? I mean, that's, that's the bottom line. We've heard that. I can't tell you what he can do and what he can't do, but I do know that that rumor is out there. But like I said, I'm not getting involved in that because I don't know that man's pockets. And, well, I don't, uh, you know, don't, don't care to, to dig deep into those pockets and find out what he's got because, again, that's, not, that's for him to figure out, and that's for the front office to figure out. They know what they're working with, right? I mean, we've heard it before. MD has gone to Dave Ziegler and Champ Kelly and Josh McDaniels and said, okay, here's your budget. This is what you got. Make it work. This is what you do. And that, that's, that's how those meetings go down. And that's what I do know. And I don't know what that looks like. I'm not in those meetings. I'm not on the phone with Dave Ziegler. I'm not on the phone with Champ Kelly. I'm not any of that. So I, I couldn't, I, I'm not going to act like I'm that guy that's sourced up. I'm just a dude. Just a dude here on the radio talking with you. Uh, real quick, and then we'll take a break from the 707 talking about Will Levis and his performance at the Combine. Levis had a 34-inch vertical, which was fifth. He had a 10-4 broad jump, which was second behind Richardson. And when Levis was throwing, Daniel Jeremiah said all the wide receivers stopped what they were doing to watch, and they all had looks on their faces like, wow. But I know some people just don't like him, but no matter what he does, they won't change their mind, and that's okay. And that's basically how I feel about everything I say. Because everything I say, someone's not going to like it, and that's okay, and that's how it is, and that's why you're free to have whatever conversation you want. I saw what I saw from Will Levis. I saw some really great throws. And I saw some wild moments. I also saw some throws that weren't so great. It made me wonder, like, it's a little inconsistent. That's it. I saw a lot of athleticism from Will Levis. Just Why like didn't you he mentioned. run the 40? I don't know. You know, Bryce Young didn't do anything. Bryce Young just stood around in a hoodie, and I thought that was a mistake. Well, that's guaranteed money, though. I still think that that was a mistake. I think that he should have gone out there and competed. Right? I think the one reason he didn't is because he doesn't have a strong arm like a Will Levis, like an Anthony Richardson, like a C.J. Stroud. I think his arm would have been kind of – not dwarfed, but it would have been shown that it's not quite as strong as those other guys. That's why I think that's why CJ Stroud was on the fringe going into the combine. Coming out of the combine, he was my quarterback number one. 
So I, I moved him up because he went out there and competed. He answered all the questions he needed to answer. And on top of that, when he threw the ball, it was effortless. There was nothing he couldn't do. And I thought everything he did was great. I thought Bryce Young made a mistake by not doing that. No, you got, you got everything to lose. You got nothing to gain if you're Bryce Young. And yes, you hey, do. You could have solidified yourself. He could have. He could have. He's already. Solidified. He could have separated himself as the no doubt about it number one quarterback. No, he's not solidified. He's he's the, he's, the, he's the shortest dude out there. He's five foot ten. He's got questions. He ain't playing at two oh four. I know that's what he weighed in at. He ain't yeah, playing at that. I don't think that. so either. Nah. But if everybody is like, hey, that's that's going to be the, if you're already saying that he's the number one guy, he's the number one guy. What's the worst that could happen? I fall to number two. Oh well. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's the way to look at it. I, I just, know it might not be the most competitive thing it's to not, say. And I like competitive edge, man. I, yeah. like, I like that guy that's going to go out there and compete and wants to be number one at everything. I want to win at everything. Like my son, Kimani, used to want to win at everything, even who gets in trouble first. He wanted, <laughs> you know, I used to tell him, I said, there was nothing you didn't want. You wanted to win at everything. I bet you I'll be the first to get in trouble. That's not what you want to do. I bet it is. All right. Right? I like, I like competitors. That's just me, though. I'm not picking at number one. I'm not picking it at all. So that's why C.J. Stroud, when he went out there and threw the rock the way he did, that, that solidified him as my number one guy. I came out of the combine. It's just me. Just my opinion. Doesn't have to like it. That's the thing. Some people don't like my opinion. Some people don't like anyone's opinion. It's fine. Some people just want to fight. C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, Anthony Richardson, Will Levis. Those are the four for me. What say you? You can hit us up and let us know about it. 702-365-9200 or don'tbebroke.com. Text line 69187, keyword R&R. This is Ray Nation Radio 920. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Want to give you an update, especially you, Damon, before we close out the show today. Darnell Washington, young man out of Las Vegas, by way of Georgia, tight end, big dude. Darnell Washington reportedly drew many comparisons to Rob Gronkowski after his impressive workout at the NFL Combine. Washington measured in at 6'6", 264, 34-inch arms, and posted a 4'64", 40-yard dash. When Gronkowski participated, he measured in at 6'6", 264, 34-inch arms, and posted a 4'68", 40-yard dash. The future is bright for the Georgia tight end. I'm very intrigued by Darnell Washington. I don't know how high he's going to go in the draft, but, man, that is intriguing. That is one hell of a prospect right there. Think about this. I don't know what he's – look, put, saying he's compared to Rob Gronkowski, that's obviously a huge – that's a huge comparison. That's a Hall of Famer you're talking about, Gronk. But, man, if you get a guy that's even half as good as Gronk and is a really good blocker, because, look, at first that's what he's probably going to be is a really good blocking tight end, basically an offensive lineman that can catch the ball consistently. You've got yourself a little something-something. You're working with something there. Could you imagine – just close your eyes for imagine, imagine big Darnell Washington and Darren Waller Lined up on the field at the same time. Pick your poison, brother. <laughs> Dude, I'm so excited about this guy as a prospect. Even if the Raiders don't get him, where you just sometimes you just look at him. We all see the drills at the combine, but then just sitting seeing him at the podium. One thing that right. people were pointing out: look at the size of his hands. Oh, he's a monster. Or it's just everything about this guy says freak athlete. And if you want to say, hey, coming out of the draft, maybe he's not the number one tight end in a mm-hmm. deep tight end class, but what does he do that separates him from the other tight ends? The blocking. For this team here, I think that would be perfect if you could get this guy in the second round. And he's one of those guys, even after the pro day, I don't see how he's going to be a second-round pick. I know that you can say, hey, well, some guys are projected to be better. Well, this is the guy where, like we see with Anthony Richardson, I think that that potential, because you don't want to be the team. If you need a tight end, you're going right. to take it in the first round. You don't want to be the guy that, eh, you take someone that's maybe a good pro bowler, where Rob Gonkowski Jr., 
was sitting, you know, two or three picks behind him. Right, absolutely. Uh, going back to the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword r This is bound to happen. Got a text from the 707. C.J. Stroud didn't do anything except for throw, so we can't hold it against Levis for just not running the 40. He supposedly had a turf toe he was still dealing with and didn't want to run it. Can't hold it against him for not running the 40. Not holding it against Why him. Why is he injured so much? I'm not, I'm not holding it against him. I'm holding it against him. I, I didn't like the fact that Bryce Young didn't do anything. That was what I said. I didn't like the fact that Bryce Young didn't do anything. Not holding it against him, it just it lowered him down from quarterback one to quarterback two for me. That's just my flavor. We don't all have to agree. As simple as that. You, no one has to convince me that Will Levis is the number one guy. Just like I don't have to convince you C.J. Stroud is the number one guy. It's different strokes for different folks. It's fine. Whatever you like is what you like. But I'll tell you what, man. This cat has gotten some people angry at some folks. I have seen some angry cats based off of, well, you hadn't say this about Will Levis. You know how many people tweeted at me while he was at the Combine? I had a guy tell me, no joke, I had a guy tell me that I, on this very show, said that he was a purple drink addict. I said that on my show. And I said, what the hell are you talking about? Where are you coming up with this? It's just like they make it up stuff just because like they're triggered. I don't understand why... We can't have different opinions on people, and it's okay. I don't get it. I don't. Never said any of that. Think he's a good guy. Think he has a high ceiling. Think he'd be a great player. Just don't think he fits with the Raiders do. That's just my opinion. <laughs> why are you nothing? So, why? Because you? <laughs> you're because you're taking the very diplomatic approach about because this. Because that's what I'm going to do. Because it's their opinion. That's fine. But I just know that we never said nothing stupid like that. I would never. The word addicts would never even come up on the show. We'd never talk about people and talk about call them addicts on the radio show. I would never do that. Because even the way you read that voice, I want this is how I read that text. Well, CJ Stroud didn't do anything <laughs> either. Who cares? All right, and get over yourself. We're talking about Will Levis, not CJ Stroud. Don't point the finger at the next guy when we're talking about the guy. Apparently, that's the guy to you. I, it's 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 fascinating to me. It just blows my mind how. People are so like up in arms about this guy, and I don't know what it is. And maybe I'm missing out something, and that's fine. Whatever it is, 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 is so be it, you know. And again, he might end up being a Hall of Famer, and I'll come back to first day and be like, "Hey, dude's a hell of a player. I got it wrong. My bad. I'm all right with that." But speaking of Will Levitz, we got some podium sound from him. We did stop there at the combine and make sure that we got some sound from him while we were there, as we did with all the prospects that were on the podium. So let's go ahead and go to the podium. Let's go back to Indy. And hear what Will Levis had to say. I think that our terminology crosses over with a lot of uh, different teams in the league. So when they're asking about the plays that we run, and we're watching tape, and I'm running through kind of what our footwork or what our just language that we use was, uh, kind of cool when they can realize kind of right away that it's the same or very similar to what they do. Yeah, I mean, my goal is to win more than anybody. I want to be the greatest of all time. I feel like you're crazy if you don't think that way. Will, when you look at, you know, your entire college career, is there anything that you feel like people aren't talking about enough, or is there anything that, you know, you feel like you didn't put enough out that you, you know, that you know you have? No, I mean, uh, I think, like, this past year, like, season didn't go as well as, I mean, we would have wanted it to, but, I mean, I learned a lot from it, learned how to kind of battle through adversity, and uh, just dealt with a lot of things physically, um, and just situationally that uh, was tough, but I think I just became a better kind of player, better quarterback because of it. But, uh, no, I mean, I'm going to show what I'm about once I get to that next level and do my best to show that to these coaches throughout this week as well. They're great. I mean, 
people always try to tell me to put one above the other. I mean, it's tough, but uh, it, it's been such a privilege to play in such two great conferences. And when I did make the transition from Penn State, I wanted to make sure that I was, you know, going against high-level competition like I was in the Big Ten. So playing in the SEC was really important to me. And I mean, shoot, I've seen a lot of great players across a lot of great teams. Uh, I mean, going back to. Big Ten, my first real kind of game experience was against Ohio State, and Chase Young gave me a tough time. So, I mean, that goes back a little bit. But, I mean, just great players across the board, and uh, hard to put one from the other. Being in Kentucky, obviously, I'm sure you've watched a lot about uh, Joe Burrow. What do you try to take most about his game? Yeah, no, Joe's someone, especially in this offseason, that I've focused a lot on. I think this offseason, compared to offseasons in the past, I've really been trying to kind of perfect the movement leading up to the throw. I think that when I make some inaccurate, inaccurate passes, it's due to kind of how I'm initiating the movement leading into it. A lot of the times I can get away with it because of how talented of an arm I have. But Joe, I think, does better than anyone else in terms of movement in the pocket. Not the fastest guy, but he's just able to move so efficiently to put himself in a stable base to make efficient throws. And I've uh, been watching a lot of film on him this past offseason. What's the specific plan for that moving forward? Just what I just said. Uh, I mean, not necessarily anything with the upper body. Uh, everything from the waist down. How I'm initiating movement, where I'm using uh, where I'm using force and which muscles I'm using. I mean, I'm a pretty built guy, but I kind of realized uh, just as I started my offseason in training how kind of weak I was in my abductor and low core area. So to be able to engage those and, and push through those areas and using my feet in ways that are going to put me in advantageous situations to get a good platform and get the ball off efficiently um, without even really having to worry about much in the upper half. Uh, has been really interesting. What was the uh, most important part of physical prep combine and these specific measurements and drills? Uh, just my recovery. I mean, coming off of a couple tough injuries this past season, really spent the first handful of weeks uh, just uh, doing treatment, you know, like the foot, the shoulder, just finally in a spot as of like three, four weeks ago that just really feeling really, really good about my body, confident that I can go and use my athleticism to my, to my uh to my advantage, kind of like I wasn't able to for that second half of the season this past year. No, I think um, physically, I just say my arm talent. I think I got one stronger arm that's come out of any draft class in recent memory. And then just who I am as a person, kind of my morals, what I stand for, my values. And I think that's been uh, the most kind of beneficial thing for me to be able to share with these coaches throughout these formal and informal interviews to just get them to know me as a person, get them to kind of understand how seriously I take every aspect of my life and just letting them know how much I love ball and how I'm able to use those values, those morals to make me the best person in the locker room and on the field as possible. Not everybody goes through the growing portion of the combat. Why do you I want to see a beer too. I got a cannon, so I'm going to show it off. Uh, I mean, nobody, uh, nobody like, specifically everyone's different I mean uh, people make the Josh comparison which I mean I can see it but we're definitely two different types of guys but um, the way he uses his body his physicality while being smart doing it um, been able to ask him about that a little bit and uh, but yeah I mean got to be smart with the body but at the same time if you have the ability to use it in situations where you need to uh, it's a good way to kind of go out there and show your thing so I mean Joe like I said before I'm trying to emulate a lot of what he does but I mean uh, nobody else really that I'm really leaning on heavily to learn from. We love you. Sorry? Yeah, it's great. It's great for the guys. I mean, um, I know that Coach Stoops is really happy about it, and I know he's going to make the best decision to, uh, for the program. But, I mean, uh, 
coach loves it there. And I know he's excited to be back. And I know that Devin and all the other guys are going to be able to learn a lot from them. And we're going to take a big step going forward from this past year. Will, have you met with the Buccaneers at all this week? Yeah, we did. Went well. Was it formal or informal? Formal. Can you imagine uh, playing in an offense with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, two talented receivers? Yeah. Hey, Chris, a uh, Penn State dude, he's been able to do such great things in the league. It's been great to see him uh, progress. But, uh, hey, I mean, I'll play for anybody. I'm going to make whatever uh, situation works. What was well, the impression you... of Todd Bowles and Jason Light on offense? It was, I mean, great dudes. I mean, didn't really kind of dig into me too much. Uh, but, I mean, Felt like I answered all their questions uh, very well and very honestly. Just kind of genuinely show the type of person I was, the type of player, the type of mind I have. And uh, I think that interview went really, really well. No, I mean, uh, I think right now I could bring up a championship team. You know, that's the confidence I have. I think I'm able to assimilate myself myself very, very well, um, better than anybody else, I believe. Um, that's the confidence I have just due to my experience and uh, just due to my physical tools. I think that I'm be able to be plugged into any offense, learn it well, and uh, become a leader very quickly in whatever team I play for. But obviously, the goal is to progress. I want to get better every year. I'm not expecting myself to be the best quarterback in the league uh, right off the bat. But, um, I mean, that's just what development's all about. That's what I'm going to lean on the coaches and the staff and the players around me to help me get to that level. So there's Will Levis right there. You heard Vinny try to get a, Will, have you talked to the Raiders in? But uh, in that scrum, it's not easy. But there you go. Will Levis from Kentucky. Uh, who knows? I think it's all... It's, it's way all, all over the map when it comes to him, when it comes to Anthony Richardson, hell, Bryce Young, and C.J. Stroud. We all could talk about where we think they're going to go, and we have no problem doing that. But at the end of the day, on March 7th, we have no idea. We might not know on, what, April 27th? We might not know until their name actually gets called. I mean, it's one of those drafts where there's no clear-cut guy like a Trevor Lawrence where you know there's no doubt he's going number one overall. Remember when Baker Mayfield went number one? That was when the draft was in Arlington. I was at that draft. Even up until the last second, I know there were reports that Baker Mayfield was going to go number one, but there was still doubt in the crowd. Like, is he really going to go number one? Is he really, like, really, really, for real he's going to go? And he did. Credit to him for that. I think when the draft was in Nashville and Kyler Murray went number one, I think that was more, you know, a foregone conclusion. Like, everyone knew, okay, he's going to go number one overall. He'll be the first quarterback off the board just because the Cardinals had the number one overall pick and they got Cliff Kingsbury. But I promise you, this upcoming draft, I don't have any idea. Who's going to go number one? There will be rumors and reports leading up to it, but I think that there's a lot of teams that are going to be jockeying, especially with Chicago having the number one overall pick. They're in such a great position. They have a quarterback. They don't need a quarterback. They can still go get a quarterback. Like they, they, You know when they say in basketball, uh, have a three-point stance, you know you can do all kinds of different things from this, from this position. You can pass, you can shoot, you can dribble. Well, that's what they could do. They could pass, shoot, or dribble. They can decide to trade. They can decide to draft a quarterback or they could draft a, a defensive player or they could trade back. Like, there's so many different things that they could do at that number one position. They're good to go. So the Colts could trade up. Carolina could really trade up from all the way up from number nine. The Raiders could make some kind of move, not saying all the way up to one, but they could make some kind of move up the draft board. The position that the draft is right now could change so much. And next week, we'll start to get a good idea of what potentially these teams look like. We'll have a good idea by the end of next week. By Friday, we should have a good idea what the Raiders quarterback situation looks like. Right? We can stop speculating on what veteran quarterback the Raiders may have. Because by the end of next week, they probably will have already re-signed Jarrett Stidham, and they may have brought in someone else. Right? I mean, I think that the quarterbacks, the veteran quarterbacks that are out there, they're going to go pretty quick. I don't think they're going to sit around and be there for two, three weeks. They're going to go pretty quick. 
I just really want to see what's going to happen, especially when it comes to your boy Jimmy G. Yeah, my boy. <laughs> don't hey, what they say, Ricky Bobby? Don't you put that evil on me? <laughs> because of you know what's going to happen though, and you mentioned it in the commercial break. Jimmy G is going to sign with the Raiders. They're going to be like, Q, I'm going to need you to interview him. To, uh, you know, he's going to have to be on the show uh, to, to introduce him to Raider Nation. And I'm going to have to put a smile on my face. I'm going to have to interview him. It's gonna, it ain't going to be a, it won't be a Rihanna type interview. <laughs> it won't be that one where I just breeze through it. All right, man, wrap it up. Right, exactly. <laughs> All right, Jimmy, welcome. So what do you want to tell Raider Nation? All right, well, thanks, Jimmy. That was fun. No, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. But, man, that, that, that would be my luck, right? <laughs> that would be my luck. Who knows what's going to happen? Honestly, we don't have any idea. But the good thing, what I'm blessed to know, is that by the end of next week, the legal tampering period starts on Monday, the free agency actually starts on the 15th. By the end of next week, we'll definitely know what the veteran quarterbacks look like for the silver and black. And then we can start to get a better idea of what they may do at number seven, or if they trade back, if they trade up. Then we can really deep dive into the NFL draft. So lots of good stuff right there. Uh, John hit us up. I'd be worried about the fact that he has been dinged two years in a row and has already taken a number of hits in his career. Combine that with the cost to trade for him and the $50 million per year to pay him. I'm going to pass on this one. I'm sorry. As John on Twitter right there talking about Lamar Jackson. So all bets are off. Who knows what's going to happen? It's been a fun conversation today. Lamar Jackson with the non-exclusive tag. Josh Jacobs with the non-exclusive tag, Saquon Barkley, Evan Ingram, and, of course, Jerron Payne all hit with the non-exclusive tag. They all have their teams have respectfully till mid-July to get a long-term deal done. We'll be back here tomorrow on Radio 920.